Sota Perk Ches Mishnah Base Eight Two. The Mishnah moves on to that second section of the portion about the Meshuch uh, Malchama. Usually, what we'll do here in this Mishnah is to explain verses uh, five through seven of Devarim Pasuk So again, what's happening here is that the Kohen Meshuch Malchama is saying these words, and then they're being repeated, amplified by Shotrim officers, uh, military personnel. And um, for sure, the Kohen has to say the words in Lashon HaKodesh. That's how we got into this topic in the first place. There is a discussion amongst the Farshim if when the Shotrim repeat it louder for everyone to hear, if it also must be in the original Hebrew, or they can translate it into the language of their choice. That's, um, that's not perfectly clear. So the mission says inside, now we start with a quote. We're quoting the verse here, Pasuk Hei. Verse 5, it says, Vidibru hashotrim el ha'am lemor. So the officers speak to the people saying, Miha isha sherbana vayis chadash v'lochanacho. Whoever is the man here who has built a new home but has not yet inaugurated it, yelech v'yashov leveso. He should, he can go back um, to his house, uh, etc. So we're now going to start describing what instances uh meet the requirements that would allow him to be now eligible for going home. There's actually Machlokas in the Roshonim and in the Mepharshim if he is obliged to go home or if he is only allowed to go home. Um, in all events, we'll see later on that home doesn't actually mean home necessarily, but hold that thought for a second. So who is included in this verse? So we the Gemara ends up learning out from Psukim that it's not just a person who built a new house per se, but rather other things as well. Echad habona beis hateven, whether one built a a um, place for storing grain, like a grain silo, beis habakar, a shed for animals, like a barn, beis ha'etim, a woodshed, beis otsaros, or just a storage shed where things like wine and other supplies can be kept. In all those cases, those are legitimate um, new biases that are eligible for one to have, leave the front lines. Um, the thought here is that all of these different structures are suitable for one to live inside of. One normally doesn't live inside a barn or a storage shed, but one could. Um, and that same halachas would apply to other things, like, for example, the requirements to put a mezuzah on the door would apply to these things, or a maka, like a parapet on the roof, would apply to these kind of structures as well, which are suitable for living in. But, echad habone it's equally applicable if one built it himself, like a new, or if he lokeach, he used a purchaser. He even if he purchased this home from or storage, for that matter, from somebody else. It had already been built because, as far as he's concerned, it's new. Now, it was the construction, that new construction, but he's the new owner. That would be similar to Allah's, like say, for example, of saying Shechianu. If you go and buy a a, um, a used Porsche and you feel inspired to make the bracha of, let's say, Shechianu, so you would make that bracha even though it's not a brand new car, it's a used car, but by you it's new. Similarly here, it's a new home because by you it's new. So if you're a loker, you purchase it but never yet lived in it, so that's considered um, applicable to leaving the front lines. Ve'echad hayoresh, similarly if you inherited the house, ve'echad shenitan lo matana, or if someone gave it to you as a gift, um, in all those cases, it's new to you, and therefore, even though you didn't build it yourself, um, you're eligible to leave the front lines now to go back and, quote-unquote, inaugurate that house. Inauguration of the house would mean if you're living there, I'd like to sleep over one night. Um, 
uh, if it's a like a storage facility, storing, keeping things safe there. Um, if you rent it out, it would mean even to, like, to, to collect rent on it. Okay, so that's first one of the three. The second is, ish asher nata kerem v'lo chililo. Similarly, this, a person who um, planted a vineyard but hadn't yet enjoyed its produce, I'm not translating literally, yelech v'yashuv l'veso, he should go back home again, or he's eligible to go back home. So let me just explain this chililo business for a moment. Um, fruit that comes from a tree, and grape vines are included in this as trees, are and the first three years, the produce is forbidden as orla. And in the fourth year, it's permitted to be eaten up in Yerushalayim as, as what's called revai, karam revai, if it's from a vineyard, grapes, or netta revai, if it's other kinds of trees. So it's eaten in Yerushalayim. But you can also opt not to take the wine up to Jerusalem and eat it there. You could uh, eat it locally. What you have to do first there is to then transfer the sanctity of this fourth year produce, revai, onto coins, um, and then take the coins to purchase foodstuffs in Jerusalem, much like Meister Shani. So the process of deconsecration of the fourth-year produce onto coins is called chilul. So here, lo chilul means you didn't deconsecrate the fruit, meaning you didn't enjoy the fruit and eat it here. So in other words, um, a person would get like a, a exemption for up to four years from when he first planted his vineyard um, to go back if he hadn't yet eaten the fruits. Echrenotea, now it's equally true if one planted the vineyard himself, and it's a kerem, which is a... A vineyard. It's equally applicable to someone who didn't plant a vineyard, but rather other kinds of fruit trees, um, as long as there are five of them. This number five comes from the fact that when it comes to uh, grape vines getting the, stand, the status of being a vineyard, um, you need five of them. This is a sugya we learned back in Masechus Kilaim, um, for, and there are different halachas that apply in Kilaha Kerem planting, you know, grains or greens in a vineyard, whether it's an actual vineyard that meets the definition of a kerem, or if it's just um, one or more individual grape vines or different rules. And the point over there is that for something to be a kerem, a vineyard, it needs to have five separate plants of, you know, grape vines growing there. Um, exactly how they're configured is a discussion, not for this moment, but the point is that the number for sure is at least five. So similarly, there's no magic to it being grape trees that you planted. It could have been apple trees that you planted. Uh, similarly, if you planted an orchard. So if it's five apple trees, then that would be enough to exempt you. And it doesn't need to be five apple trees. It could be five different types of fruit-bearing trees, um, as long as there are five of them and you haven't enjoyed the produce from that um, orchard. So then you could have the exemption going back. And it's also equally true whether you actually planted them, as the verse says, to plant like a tree. Havracha is like propagating vines under the ground. Um, so you take a grapevine, you put it under the ground, then you pull it up somewhere else, and then it'll take roots, and you have like basically a mommy and a baby grapevine come out of that single vine. So that's Havracha. And that will also be considered to have planted a new vineyard by Havracha. Ve'echad hamarkiv. Harkava is grafting. So you take like the rootstock of one, let's say, you know, grapevine, and then you take the scion, like a branch from another grapevine, you stick it in, and then they, they, they graft together to make a new plant. We're not talking here about the forbidden types of, of um, harkava, which is grafting two different species together, that's forbidden by the Torah, but we're talking about a legitimate, you know, you take two of the same type of plants, one old, one new, put them together, uh, so that could be considered to be a new a new uh, vineyard or a new, or new, new tree, or a new, you know, orchard. 
Vechad alokeach. Similarly, if you didn't plant it, but you just purchased the new orchard or vineyard. Vechad hayoresh, or you inherited it. Vechad shenitan lo matana, or if someone gave you that orchard as a gift. Um, in all those cases, since you have like a, now you have a new vineyard or orchard, whatever it is, so then you are exempt from the front lines until you enjoy the fruits of that vineyard. Next, the, the Mishnah goes on to the third Pasuk, which says, Umiha isha sher aras isha. If there's a man here who um, is an, an arus um, to, a, to a woman, velo lakcha, and he didn't yet um, take her as a wife proper, then he can also go back home. So here we're talking about, um, in as I'm sure you know, in Jewish marriage, there are two stages of, of marriage. The first, arusin, which is legal marriage, but not yet functional marriage, not living together. The second part, referred to in the Pasuk as lakcha, like taking her, that's considered to be like chuppah or nasuin, where the couple live together as a normal husband and wife. So um, here we're talking about a case where the couple got what we might call in English engaged, right? The legally married. He gave her the ring. She accepted it. Um, so they're like legally married, but they haven't lived together. So the exemption here is they're allowed to go back. He's allowed to go back to be available um, to marry her rather than die. And the end on the front. Um, and that's true whether it's echadam arases basula, whether the I'll call it the fiancé, whatever, the, the, the rusa, the woman to whom he's legally married um, but hasn't lived together with, is a basula, it's her first marriage. Ve'echad ma'ares es almana, or if he is um, an aros to a a widow. Afila shomeres yavam, even if she's just what's called a shomeres yavam, she's waiting for yibum to happen. So that is the case where um, a woman is married to this fellow's brother. The brother died, and the brother had no no surviving offspring. So then she, the wife, now his widow, falls to the surviving brother to do yibum or chalitza, and she's got a, a zika, like a bond with him. They're like sort of quasi-married. Um, so the point is she's called the Shomeris Yavam. She's waiting for this surviving brother to do yibum, to marry her. So that's kind of like being engaged, if you will, and it's equivalent to um, like a half but not completed marriage. And therefore, again, if a uh, if, uh, if a man is is got a yibum situation, but he hasn't yet performed yibum, so then he is exempt from the front lines. And here, va'afilo shama shames acha b'milchama. It's applicable even if in the middle of the war, the surviving brother hears that his other brother had died, leaving with no offspring. So now a yibum situation is, is cropped up. Now his exemption will kick in, and he'll actually um or valo. He is now allowed to leave or required to leave. Um, the battlefront to go back behind behind um, you know the the, the war front um, to be safe to go back and, and marry his sister-in-law through Yibum. Um, interestingly, if it comes to a situation of of this Yibum cropping up, so that is it's applicable even in the middle of the battle, whereas um, other exemptions don't apply uh, if once the war has started started. So if a war has started and then a man. It can't, a man can't get engaged, you know, give a girl a ring and do Arison uh, and then be legally married and then be exempt from the the war front. That won't work because it's like a trick to get out of fighting. But here he didn't do anything. He just his brother died, so he fell upon him. So now he is exempt um, and goes, you know, away from the war front. And um, that would apply actually if there were multiple brothers, since all of the brothers are considered to be potential Yavamim, and she's a Shemer Yavam to all of them, the surviving widow. So therefore, all the brothers now leave the battlefront to go um, behind, further back. Now, Vachol Elusha, sorry, so now the Mishnah continues on. Just, I want to point out for a second, just the Gemara actually has an interesting um, uh, 
limud from the psukim, the psukim which have this order of uh, exemptions. So perhaps I would have thought the most common exemption is someone who's engaged, because people, everyone gets engaged eventually, so to speak, much fewer than them um, build houses or, or vineyards. So it's out of order. And the thought is that you learn from there, says the Gemara, that a person should first uh, build a home and establish a livelihood. That's the, the karam, the vineyard, and only then get married. Um, that's what the Gemara learns from this psukim. And actually the Rambam in Hilchos Deus in the fifth parak actually pox in that lahalacha, that a person should first figure out um, a home for himself and a way to support himself before he takes a wife. Now, the Mishnah continues on and says, Kol Elu, um, all of these people, all these categories of people who are exempt, Shomen Divrei Kohen Marechem Ilchama. First, they all are required. Even if you're exempt by one of these three exemptions, um, you're required to go to the like the, the battlefront before they go into the war and hear the Kohen speak out the exemption, you know, this, say these verses in the Hebrew, um, to whoever is going to be exempt. So you have to hear it first. And then after you hear that, v'chosen, then you can go back from the battlefront, but you actually don't go home all the way, really. So although it says you go home, it doesn't necessarily mean you go home. It means you just, you don't, you get out of the battlefront, so you're not like a combat soldier um, where you're risking your life. Um, you're further back. And then, you still are um, part of the support staff for the army. So you're just like a jobnik, as they say in Israel. You're ancillary um, staff who are supporting the war effort as a soldier who's doing something that's supporting the war effort, just not actually a combat soldier yourself. So that would mean that, um, assuming that home is far away, he would actually would not get all the way home. He would just be you know, back as part of the supply chains, whatever the story is, to prepare um, and enable the soldiers, the combat soldiers across enemy lines to um, do what they have to do. As I mentioned before, the Rambam Paskins, um, this Allah Halacha, but he understands that these exemptions that we have here in our Mishnah are only applicable in a Milchemes Rishus, a optional war, where Israel is expanding its territories, but in a Milchemes Mitzvah, where they are required to go to war for the sake of you know protecting Jewish lives, um, or otherwise at the mandate of Hashem in one way or the other. So then everyone has to participate, even if the people um, in this, notwithstanding the people who are exempt from, from this mission and those psuk- 